Hey, just to say this restarts one podcast. Hasn't got a lot of football on it, in fact, barely any at all. We talk about uh, the virus situation and then we talk about the wire. So if you wanted to hear me and Ted talk about things, then you're in luck. And if you wanted to hear talk about football and stats, then I'm sorry. Uh, we haven't got much of that at all this week. Uh, I'll try and flag what we're covering. We're going to keep running the podcast over the course of this period and we'll try and uh, filter back in some football as we go along. But uh, just to let you know. Hello and welcome to this week's Stats Bomb Podcast with me, James York, and... Ted Knutson. How goes it, Ted? Well, we are in week two of the coronavirus era. Yeah, it's a bit weird, isn't it? My son just turned 11 today. We Did had he? a cancel his birthday party. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Is that him screaming, raging around, where's my party? Well, <laughs> this is this is the result of children... Yeah, this is the result of children uh, <laughs> being in the house. Timing, this is beautiful. Anyway, um, yeah, what should I, what should I, what should I say? What was I going to say? I think right. I know we normally are a bit lax about this, but I think we should actually not swear. Right? Do you want? Do you want to know why? I'll tell you why. Because everyone's stuck at home with their families and won't be listening ah. to this. Stuck at home with their families. They don't have the choice. I mean, they've got headphones, maybe, but. This is a tough one. So at this point, all of the bookies that actually listen to us are like putting out wagers as to whether or not we will be able to get through however many minutes we're going to do this and not swear. (laughs) Ted, big favorite to (laughs) bomb out on this. (laughs) But yeah. and uh, Uh, So I want to apologize for last week. Um, You know, things are moving fast. I sort of insensitively, uh, not sort of, like I did insensitively, you know, sort of cough and sneeze at the beginning of it, um, making a bit of a joke of something that is turned exceptionally serious and it wasn't that we weren't taking it seriously then no we were that's the thing last last week felt weird i felt we got back from boston and and it was like right okay this is serious and like i was looking around me here in england thinking like right hang on no people aren't taking this seriously and they weren't even at the weekend i know people who were out in the pubs and stuff and it's like this is insane what's wrong with you and um yeah and obviously it's accelerated I think we're going to talk a bit about coronavirus this week. I think I don't know how we'll plan we're going forward. We'll, we'll try and bring some levity to the world via the podcast as we go on, but it's, it is so kind of like all in, all encompassing right now. But but also like yeah, I'm, I think James could tell you behind the scenes. Like I've been following this pretty closely, basically since the beginning of March, and talking to our team about this. And I don't know, like it's not that we're epidemiologists. Like that's not true. But um, yeah, I've. <laughs> so un- unusually so i actually am qualified in in part of the discussion of this which like you know, i was a grad student in in uh, international political political economics <laughs> and so it's like one of those weird weird cases where I, I wasn't qualified to professionally gamble i wasn't really qualified to build a football data company but in this case i actually do have official training uh to look at you know the impacts of stuff on Cross-border markets, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the, the point being, like, we can't not talk about this. And if you guys are bored or exhausted by it, then <sighs> I apologize. But you know, the fact of the matter is we've been kind of ahead of the curve. And if you if you look at the stuff that I've been commenting on and also James has been commenting on on Twitter, like, you'll find that you know some of the things didn't add up that was coming out of the early um, analysis, especially if you live in the UK and the US. Like, uh, we oh, have... Yeah. Some fairly strong opinions about how they've handled this, um, not least because the data is wrong, but also model assumptions being wrong. And these are areas where we do have a lot of experience, you know, poking holes in in models and data that exists in whether it be football or gambling models or, you know, sort of niche economics. 
this is that type of thing where some approaches and some initial things that they were stating, just you're like, ooh, I, I'm not sure about that. Or if you look at, so some of the best work being done right now is John Byrne Murdoch's stuff, like his daily update of the logarithmic curve of, of deaths and cases. The problem with the cases one is simply that, you know, some, some countries are not counting. They're not testing. Like not I don't think we're testing here, are we? We're not like there's, no. there's been barely anything going on for ages, and I think there's something related to that. Is that two things? Sports stars keep getting tested positive with symptomless, so they're positive but they're symptomless. So like there must be countless of those cases around, and no one's yeah. counting them because you can't, or like unless you test everyone. So that like that that's actually a positive, I think, because if there are like, if there are you know many 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 uncounted thousands of, of uh, symptomless uh, uh, sufferers, then that's not going into any any of the kind of like modeling or expectations because you don't know they exist uh and sure, so actually, you have no population sample so therefore right. you can't actually extrapolate across the population yeah so it actually means that like more people have the coronavirus than is expected and the the percentages get you know sorted out a little bit more positively which is good i, I exactly not- like the the death rate in italy and many other places looks you know far worse than than what was initially um, came out of the sort of the China, South Korea type stuff. But part of that is like none of these places uh, on the Western world have been capable of testing to any degree. So it's, you know, it's the the, the denominator on this looks very different. I mean, I'd, not, to, not to be instantly hypocritical of myself because I'm not actually talking about this, but like there, there was a thread that I literally read this morning and it was like, oh, this is doom laden. And I'm not taking any of this lightly at all. I think it's an extremely bad situation and could, could actually go particularly... Uh, you know, not well. However, I read it all and it was like, all right, that's you know pretty awful. And I was like, who wrote this? And it was some historian. And it was like, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> um, I respect this guy and his uh, his education and his smarts, but maybe this isn't the guy to write a thirty-thread-long Twitter thing about like how bad everything's going to be. I mean, they, they, well, again, like, that's also what, true. What information are we getting and who are you getting it from is quite yeah, relevant and- too. No, I totally I agree with that. And you want to be really careful about, you know, who you're listening to and what makes sense. And maybe some of you are like, we should not be fucking listening to you. And that's okay. Like, I, that's, <laughs> Yeah, you're okay with that. We're going to talk about The Wire later. So slightly different um, you know, tact on that one uh, involving drugs. But uh, uh, and, and one of the greatest television shows of all time. But first, let, let's continue on with this. So... Um, you know, the the other impact of this, we are taking it seriously. We, as I said, I think on the last show, we closed down our offices last Tuesday, uh, took our kids out of school, um, sort of midweek, you did as well. Yeah. Uh, we advised, you know, other people in, um, in the company to do so too, uh, you know, taking, isolating uh, yourselves, you know, your parent group as well, which is kind of a, a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's like a weird spot where, you know, you're kind of seeing things before they happen. And we have been since since back in Boston. Everybody at Sloan, the bulk of whom work in probabilities, we're looking at this as like, wow, this is going to hit hard. And, you know, I'll kind of recap. So I was talking about John Byrne Murdoch's, Murdoch stuff. So the, the denominator on those cases is wrong. Um, and that's not his fault. Like he's gathering data, but plenty of places are not testing and not testing to like any real extent. Um, and then the, the weird one, and the other thing he's been following is sort of the curve um, of reported deaths. <clears throat> and that one is only as right as the assessment of cause of death is correct. And it looks like the UK and Spain have sort of the most aggressive upward curve uh, for various reasons. Like I think the UK actually is going to 
to have that because of the choices they made. And then the US one is just wrong. I, and, and somebody asked me like why I feel that way. And I, I did it, I think maybe two days ago, I was talking um, in some DMs to some journalists. I was like, this doesn't make sense. These numbers don't add up because like the US has five times the population as the UK has basically had exactly the same problems. They know they've had it since January off and on, but the deaths number is far too low because like all of those numbers that if you if you take them as, as the same assessment we have five times the population like there are reasons why it might not be that way but they're really not that dissimilar um and you know the the thing that we were talking about last week at sloan uh or week and a half ago yeah week and a half ago uh was that the u.s had community spread so basically they were there were cases that were discovered that didn't have direct links to coming in from china or whatever and that meant that, you know, it had kind of been in the environment for a few weeks at that time. And you know, they were coming up in like the middle of America. And you're like, hmm, this is problematic. Because at that point, like you're not going to control the spread. And or I mean, you can, but my God, like they are so late on on that. Like the things that are happening in New York and in Boston and L.A. and Seattle, you know, they're trying and they're trying to, to slow it for lots of very good reasons because they'll overload the ICUs. But nevertheless, like these sorts of things are already happening. So if they're already happening and it is full blown, if you listen to local news in those places, that means that the death number is just wrong. And I think I, some, I can't explain. <laughs> yeah, something something I'd add into that is um, I I don't know why I feel slightly more positive about the whole situation in in recent de- well since yesterday basically when I was particularly not positive before then, but um, like. Uh, there, there, I'm not going to go full Fox News either, but there will be like a lot of a lot of there are a lot of deaths every year for older people in hospital anyway, and like, I don't know if we've managed to detach effectively like how many of those are real. Uh, how, sorry, how many of those are related to coronavirus? How many are happening? They're anyway. all real deaths, James. <laughs> they are all real deaths, certainly. Uh, like, I mean, there was there was a particularly stark thing that came out with from uh, I think it was uh, somewhere in northern Italy where it was the you know the picture uh, little video of the kind of obituaries in the newspaper. Yeah, between, the, the Bergamo obituary. Yeah. Sure, and it was yeah. one and a half pages and 15, a month ago, and like fifteen pages now. Now that's a specific specific hotspot of like of the disease, isn't it? Like you know, in that area, and you know, I don't think we've particularly established in uh, in other Western countries uh, hotspots that are similar to the Italian one. Um, so yeah, I mean that's 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 kind of an extreme example of like the worst of it, and it's obviously extremely bad, but. Um, yeah, it's easy to get get bogged down in kind of doom laden prophecies that like you know all areas could end up like really bad like that. And it's not to say they couldn't, but like you know, so so far, you know, Italy's managed to put put, put in restrictions and and kind of without restrict it to the, those zones, kind of like keep it uh, a little bit uh, lower elsewhere. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, well, I think so. We picture. should talk about the population and, and the rationales behind that. So, like, it is possible that Italy is seeing a more extreme death count, uh, partly because of undercounting of cases, but also they have an older population, and you know, plenty of people are actually you know very integrated with their parents as well. So, even if their parents were like trying to control spread or whatever, they they then pass it down through their family group. One of the <coughs> excuse me. Uh, that was just a cough. Uh, and see, one of the uh, things that I saw this week, uh, this morning even, uh, was from Dallas information overnight. And that was that there have been 20 and 30 year olds uh, ending up in ICU, which I find extremely interesting and could be 
very concerning. Now, these are you know little anecdotal cases, and you you want to keep an ear out for are there more of these? Like what proportion of the population is ending up in ICU? But knowing that this is a strong respiratory attack in terms of the viral element, there are a lot of people of that generation that smoke a lot of pot. And <laughs> that is going to complicate. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're the Dutch population might be interesting too, but uh, yeah. So if you're, if your country has a lot of pot smokers or smokers period, which is one thing that they were talking about regarding China, um, that's going to be <sighs> slightly, I mean, it, it may have a significant impact in terms of seriousness of the the viral impact on age generations that are 20s and 30s, which we have not seen in other populations. And that is a very big worry because there are a hell of a lot of those people and they're not supposed to be in ICUs. Yeah, that's very true. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what to go on from there. You got anything else you want to add on this topic? It is kind of overwhelming. Um, well, I, mean, I, stay I, safe, I think we should talk about the government, right? Like, I think I <laughs> think the responses to. deserve discussion, and and they deserve criticism because they're fucking stupid. Um, look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold back on this. Like, I have very strong opinions about it, and I take the data on its face. But like, if you don't want me criticizing Boris Johnson's response, <laughs> no, to, no, no, that's fine. That's the coronavirus fine. stuff, you should just pause for about ten minutes because it might go on that long. Um, so first of all, like you know the the, the thing that I find I mean, daily it's infuriating. But like one big part of it was simply that they suggested to close the bars and pubs and theaters and cinemas. And like a suggestion is not really <laughs> very helpful there. Uh, and and there is the, the, the follow-on critique that he's saving money for the insurance companies because if the government didn't officially close anything, then the mere suggestion means that they're going to go bankrupt from people not showing up as opposed to, you know, having force majeure take away like you know, act yeah. of God effectively take away their their patronage. I think, I think the the you know the quick the quick thing here that I can you know easily relate to you know, our two neighbour countries, literally Ireland one direction, France the other, and you see yep. how they've reacted and how you know how the you know the um, nominally their leadership has you know basically been on television and said we are doing this and this is going to yep. happen, and it's like right okay that look that looks a little bit like what I'd expect leadership to look like in a crisis. Not going to say anything about the politics of these leaders, but I've kind of, I'm in tune with what's going on here. And then you look at our bumbling idiot, who's kind of, kind of like, well, maybe you should uh, do this, and uh, we'll think about some measures later in the week, and you know, schools could close, and oh, it's just yeah, schools are still open. I, yeah. that's the thing that I I find just insane to this because it is insane and early on much like the science like, let's not even go into the science because like that was a fucking disaster and probably killed about five figures people that should not have died based on that set of choices um but the science on this one is oh well you know we're not sure about school closing because it could impact the the healthcare services well just fix that like there are ways to fix it there are there are already countries out there that are leaving schools open as daycares with some small amount of workers, again, minimizing the, the sort of social group impact when you're not supposed to have groups and gatherings of you know more than 10 people, uh, even less than that is probably preferred. But if you can't have gatherings of 10 people and your school has 200 to 2,000, you know, that is problematic once again. Um, you know, it's, it's very much about like, what are you trying to fight? And, and the, the mixed messages 
are are there saying that well we've tried to close off mass gatherings we're not having sporting events although they had sporting events over the weekend Cheltenham had 275,000 people or some odd like all crammed together in I mean I guess it's an outdoor space but it's still a space they were going to have football um, events which is mind-boggling um but the only reason why they didn't have those was basically people started coming down sick too early for yeah, them people to... actually got tested positive for coronavirus yeah. that would have been yeah. involved in these events and that's the yeah that's the thing isn't it it's only that you know <laughs> I, I have to say sports teams do seem to be very very good at getting their hands on coronavirus testing kits <laughs> that's something i've noticed uh hmm. but yeah but again that, that this is the thing like you know Mikel arteta was someone who, who got it and hudson adoy again um, you know a couple of guys that have got the got coronavirus quickly and then been relatively fit and healthy and got through it in a couple of days so again small message of hope there. like you can Correct. get coronavirus you can you can uh, get through it and you can be okay like quite quickly it isn't always uh, you know this kind of like horrific flu which other people have reported that uh, you know wipes you out for long periods of time uh, like as I said before hopefully like the, the, if you know the majority of the population does end up contracting it then hopefully the majority of cases are of this kind of like weaker uh, weaker strain but you know we're, we're not in a position to take that chance and and you know it does feel like the government at some point decided like well let's just see if what happens and um well you yeah. can't just choose to kill off you know 20 percent of people in the in the 70 plus generation right like that that seems like a, a not positive choice and also making the choices that don't give you the options to go back against that is is a hideous idea i mean it's not only heartless like it's actually against what everyone else did and it's because they followed bad science or bad advice on on how the model actually works like basically once this started to spread inside the uk the nhs which they have starved for funds for what 10 plus years and have have been continually talking about you know paring it down was immediately overloaded and it is overloaded right now and it's going to stay this way for a very long time there are genuine Uh, there are genuine like issues around like okay like what? What is the, like you know the second wave of um, not second wave of the, the illness, but like you know what is the you know okay this is happening now. What happens in three months, six months, twelve months? You know if if we um, you know what's the impact of doing something now uh, later on if it comes back and these kind of things. I just think that's irrelevant though because uh, on day one it's like right let's just take the most extreme measures we can today <laughs> to save as many people as we can today. And then think about that later on. (laughs) You need to be extremely risk averse. It's human. Sure. In an entire human population, you need to be extremely risk averse initially. Yeah. Until you understand the extent of the problem. And that is what they did not do and what the other places have done. So Japan, uh, South Korea, China, extremely risk averse, like chose, you know, very early on to lock things down, like tons of testing to find the virus and make sure where it's at and, and keep on top of the spread. It looks like China is about to go back to quote unquote normalcy or as close as they they have. Uh, but I'm, I'm totally with that. And so it might be that there are other choices that should be made in the future. And we're going to talk about the economic impact in just a minute. But at the moment, we don't know much. And and that is is the biggest risk to you, right? Because, you know, until you encounter it in your population or in populations that are very similar to yours, which is not necessarily what the Asian populations look like, you don't know what it looks like. And then once you find out that Italy 
look like this, like you should have been taking immediate measures and we still have not taken the extent that our neighbors have. And you're absolutely right. Like I don't necessarily have any agreement with Macron's politics and, and the Scandinavians, you know, sort of march to their own beat, but you know, at least they've got leadership and at least they're, they're sort of like making sure that their population is going to be taken care of. So like, let's, let's talk about some of the economics of this because it is absolutely fucking massive. And that's one thing that I've been banging the drum on very big concerns about this. <clears throat> so with regard to the economics of this, if you just shut down the entire Western world, which is kind of what has happened right now for two months, like, you know, if you took the GDP and you said, well, some people can continue doing things, but something like, you know, 40% of the population is going to be directly impacted by lower wages or potentially zero wages, they'll get laid off. That's enormous. And as, as you mentioned, like, we're not looking at, you know, oh, uh, the, the early stuff. Tell me about the early stuff, James. What were they saying? How quickly, what were the early dates that they said that we'll revise this and come back to it? Well, I don't know, but like, you know, certainly like, you know, some good examples of Premier League, which is cancelled for a month at exactly. the moment. Start and of like, April. Uh, yeah, so so at the moment there's there's visions of starters. I mean, I don't, I don't think there even are. Presumably when they presumably when they cancelled, there were plenty of people saying that, that that's not going to happen. But presumably when they cancelled, it was it was with some, even a small hope that they'd be you know back in business by April. Euro Euro 2020 gets cancelled yesterday, so okay that, I. I mean that makes a lot of sense anyway, but it doesn't exactly give out great hope that anything's going to like get resolved by early summer. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know what your estimation is right now. But maybe maybe the autumn we come back and and things look kind of normal. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I said this yesterday. I think in the work slack, uh, at some point in the future, wherever that point is, they're going to be a hell of a lot of sport on. <laughs> It's going to be pretty crazy. I don't know what to watch now. There's going to be so much sport. It's going to be crammed in and relentless. Um, let's you know, look forward to those times, and hopefully we're not all too traumatised by the time we get there. But, um, yeah, one day in the future, there's going to be a lot of well, sport. Yeah, I mean, there are going to be a lot of people that are on universal benefit income because like, their jobs are gone, and the yeah. restaurants are going to be gone, and the cinemas are, are gone. And, in fact, like cinemas... You know, if this goes on for a long time, cinemas might just disappear to some extent. Now, yeah, someone made someone made that point because it's like uh, the the <laughs> idea that you know you just you, you just get used to absorbing all your all your media at home, and you know obviously a lot of us do that anyway. Now, I mean, I don't know what cinema numbers are like. I think they're still, still probably pretty good for the blockbusters and such. But um, yeah, you know, if the, the whole like the whole way we live is kind of not under threat is the wrong way of putting it because I don't think it's I don't think that's that's a threat in itself it just will could and will change over time even like you know just stuff like hand washing that everyone's like super serious about now and with you know good reason you know I, I can't see a point in the future where I'm just gonna be like in any way lackadaisical about that kind of thing you're just gonna or the handshake right like yeah, the, yeah. The, the, you know uh, people kissing each other on on both sides of the face where you're like don't touch your face well you just immediately touch your face with my face so like this is yeah I yeah I mean I you feel like these these gonna be like you know cultural changes that will kick in quite uh you know and will like re like last over a long period of time just because people people learn how to be different and um yeah it's uh it's, it remains weird anyway sorry i diverted you were you were talking about economic impacts well it's it's the one thing that i have enormous concerns about because like we this country and the u.s have gone particularly far to the right like they don't have social safety nets 
uh, austerity has really devastated a lot of the, the sort of social safety net that existed before. And now we're realizing very much so that leadership does matter, especially in times of crisis, which we haven't had that many. And and these social safety nets actually definitely matter because like they're the ones that help take care of the bulk of the population when shit goes bad. <laughs> and I mean, at the end of the day, the, the health stuff is you know, we're not all going to die. Right. Like I'm, we will die eventually, but like we're not all going to die from coronavirus. So like that's not not the concern. But the follow on effects and this is where some of the modeling, you know, you have concerns about like you can't just shut down the world for 12 to 18 months. Right. Like that's <laughs> no one knows how that happens. What happens on the other side of it? I don't know. Do people just print money? I don't know. Like no one knows. We have never seen yeah, this type been- of economic shock. We've been really cosseted for in the West for for many years. Obviously, rest of the rest of the world has had its share of crises of, of all sorts of uh, you know war and uh, disease and such. The Western world has been really cosseted, maybe since, even since kind of like World War Two. Um, and that's you know it's not even an insane analog to kind of like think of it as a kind of a, a, a equivalent to a war and the impact it would have on um, you know on on just everyday life and you know the general economy. Um, yeah, it, it, there's definitely been a complacency about uh, from from the entire kind of Western world as to like the fact that this kind of thing could happen at some point. In fact, it's happened throughout the history of humankind, and the idea that we could just sit here and just be fine and be resilient and never never get struck by uh, any kind of like you know pandemic was, on reflection naive but well yeah you you kept seeing the movies and the books about it but then you're like oh it hasn't really happened they were able to contain it it's just china (laughs) yeah yeah uh i don't know if you played pandemic the game but it's very much about sort of designing you know you know what i looked (laughs) i looked yesterday i was like board games can i get a board game we're bored right what can i get and like number two on the like some recommended list was pandemic i was like hmm i'm not gonna get that one might be a little too real right now. A bit like watching Contagion on the flight from Norwegian Air. I don't want to watch that. I don't want to play that game. What else have we got? And I've ordered a Jaws game that's supposed to be quite good, so uh, we'll see how that goes. You see Keir Maguire's t-shirt that he had on uh, on Twitter like earlier this week. Keir Maguire's uh, an accountancy professor that does Price of Football podcast. And he had a Jaws t-shirt that was to the, the New Order album. Or maybe the Joy Division. No, New Order album. Uh, of the sort of like Joy Plots or whatever. Oh, it's uh, Joy Division, I think. It is Joy Division. Damn it. <laughs> Actually, I might be wrong. I can't remember. It's one of them. But you're right. We're yeah. old enough that we should be able to answer this question correctly, James. Oh, I think it's Joy We failed you. Yeah. Sorry, children of the world who know much more because like Joy Division is still weirdly cool and dark. I quite like New Order. It wasn't so much into Joy Division. Too much shouting. But there it, it is Joy Division I found very challenging. This was the... <laughs> so. Ah, here's, I can, I'll go back to the story because we're just rambling anyway. Um, so my first year of university, uh, I had a, a roommate that was from Tulsa and he had long hair. His name was Scott. And he also like wore Doc Martens and was very gothy. Um, but like gothy in sort of the badass gothy way, like not gothy in the, uh, you know, sort of pretty gothy way, I would say. Uh, so yeah, he was a big Joy Division fan. Uh, also Dead Kennedys. uh Oh, what's the uh, Dropkick Murphys? Like tons of sort of semi-punk or or goth sort of metal bands, um, and and yeah, he was uh, he was the first one that introduced me to that, and that was also one of the big impetus for getting headphones and listening to other music in my in my dorm room. <clears throat> he was also the guy that uh, 
we didn't really know much about the internet and computers back then. And so I came back and I didn't have my computer locked and he had put, um, yeah, horse porn on my, uh, on my computer when I came back to university. That was uh, particularly traumatizing for a kid <laughs> from the Midwest that didn't really know that these things existed before. Well, Ted, like, this is gone. Where are we going with this? We just, we can We're trying to find ways, ways for people to pass the time. During, Let's talk about uh, the wire. And if you've still got things that you want to talk about after that, we can bring it back after. Because I've got a, I have got a segue to that. Because, You've got um, a Joy Division segue or horse? No, no, uh, uh, no, no. <laughs> uh, early internet. I was, I was trying to think, like, you know, because I uh, haven't ever watched The Wire, right? And Ted's Ted set our task at the moment to like watch The Wire. So we've watched four episodes each. Ted's watched it before, but I've watched four episodes just to get kind of like going. And I was thinking, like, why have I not watched The Wire? Because I have watched quite a few of the classic, you know, like HBO uh, series over time. You know, stuff like Sopranos, and I remember watching Oz back in the day. I used to enjoy oh, man. that. Oz, and, Oz was a hell of a program. That's <laughs> wild stuff, that was. Absolutely crazy. But, uh, yeah, uh, brutal most of the time. Uh, but, yeah, it was good. Um, but I was like, why haven't I watched The Wire? And I think... Because I was looking at the dates of the wire, I think, at 2002, 2008. And I was thinking, what was I doing 2002, 2008? And I think, I did to start with, at the very start of that period, I didn't even have the internet. And that sounds crazy now. I was like, well, you didn't have the internet? No, I didn't have the internet. Just I was just living in a flat with my girlfriend, and who's now my wife. And it wasn't like a, a 100% thing to get the internet. You could do if you wanted to, but the internet was still slow enough. So you didn't have, like, streaming. You didn't have, like, um, if unless you had, like, you know, stuff, stuff like Sky Plus where you could just record things. Like, some people had it, some people didn't. But all these things were very, still very much in a kind of, like, you could have it or you couldn't have it. It's up to you whether you want to pay for it. And so, like, you know, it was such a different world from, from now where you could literally just, like, right, any... TV show or film I can think of, I can either access via some format and just watch it or get into watch a box set or this this kind of thing. So I think possibly I probably just missed the start of The Wire because it was just during a period when I was, I don't know, going out or whatever it was, and then just didn't get into it. Because like once you'd missed the start of something, maybe. Like Sopranos is a good example. I remember watching, I think I got into Sopranos Series 2, maybe. I missed Series 1 and then watched it like religiously throughout because it was like, yeah, this is brilliant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just just a completely different era of TV watching and stuff uh, to, compared to where we are now, and I think that's why I never watched it. So, um, so obviously, there's no football right now. Uh, yeah, we'll, we're not sure when it's going to come back. But James and I have committed that we'll continue to allow him to complain about things. And, I'm not going to uh, complain about the wire, am I? It's really good. <laughs> well, we're going to find out, aren't we? Uh, so uh, you know, we'll do we'll keep doing some entertainment stuff. We will follow the football news as it goes. Uh, probably not going to do any you know league analysis for a little bit. Uh, but you know, I wanted to to break it up. Like we've often made James watch terrible movies or slightly awkward movies. <clears throat> And uh, and this time I was like, well, how about some prestige TV? And so we decided that The Wire was going to happen. And I, you're going to have to lead me through this because I know a lot more about this than you do. And I'm kind of curious about your interactions. But also, like, this is a deeply American show, like really unique in sort of American inner city. It's, uh, you know, it happened in Baltimore. I was in Virginia at the time, so not that far from there. Um, and since... I originally watched The Wire. I think I came on toward the end of season one when a friend of mine said, you have to watch. It's like, yeah. come on, whatever. I don't really, I don't need to watch like, you know, drug stuff. Cop like I'm show. not that interested. <laughs> well, cop, cop show maybe I was interested in, but drug, you know, it was like, it seems like it might be a little dark. But then you start with that opening scene and that was all it took. 
So there's this opening scene with Dominic West, who is uh, Jimmy McNulty, sitting on a stoop with some guy, and, and he's talking about <clears throat> talking about what happened to this kid that's been killed, uh, this murder victim, and. For that, like, sort of five minutes, I was like, wow, this is just, like, street poetry, you know? Like, the the dialogue there, the way that they go about it, um, it, I just, I found it kind of magical. So that was kind of my introduction to it. But you go ahead, like, get us started. Um, Trying to think. It's, I mean, like I said, I watched four episodes, so, like, you know, kind of got a, a good idea of what's going on. It's really well made. I mean, like... Even above the fact that like the plots are all interweaving and it's and it's clever straight straight off the bat, just the, like the stuff like the camera work and stuff is just really quite clever and and it like un- it's unnecessarily good, <laughs> like you know why is yeah. this, why is this absolutely prestige TV? It's like well yeah it's got it's got great characters it's got uh, you know good plot uh, it you know, it keeps keeps things flowing along you know pretty swiftly and it's really technically well well put together just like subtleties like of of like you know how things are shot and framed and all these kind of things you can see it you can see it's above above the norm just straight away from from episode one like i said i've only watched four episodes of it is um it's all kind of kicked off a couple of times already but yeah it's it's that it's 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 almost like the the ideal blend of of kind of uh, action, you know, action and things happening, and you know, things going wrong, and just, just the the balance is really solid. I mean, I, I, I'm finding it hard to put into words, but you know, you can already tell it's 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 really good, and I'm quite engaged with it. Uh, you know, straight, I think the writing, away. the writing in particular is electric, and and the characterizations are so mm. good. And you know, most of for most of the actors on this, like this is kind of their big break. This was mm. not. You know, they were not. You'll see them now, and you'll be like, "Oh yeah, that's that guy." Yeah, but, yeah. But Idris Elba, like for us, was like, "Who's this dude?" And actually, for the entire period, Idris Elba plays Stringer Bell in this, who's basically the number two uh, of this small drug gang. I mean, I say small; they're running like you know a segment of Baltimore. Uh, but Idris Elba, you know, sort of shows up, and I didn't know that he was he was English. <laughs> like his accent yeah, on yeah. there was so good. Yeah, and and Dominic West also not not from Baltimore. Uh, there, there's some interviews with uh, with uh, Wendell Pierce who plays Bunk Moreland on the show, who's possibly my favorite character of a great deal. Uh, but he's like he, he's making fun of um, of West. He's like, I got to listen to your shitty Baltimore accent every day. You know, like yeah, can we yeah. do the scene right. <laughs> Yeah, sadly, I've got nothing to complain about so far. So, um, and I don't think well, I'm t- going to either. Tell so. me a little more. Like, what are you compelled by? Because, like, I, I think the, the Wire might be one of the reasons why I have trouble watching even sort of modern BBC cop shows. Because, like, I just I struggle with some of the camera work and some of the crappy sort of choices that. Or, I mean, I see that uh, choices that they make. Um, and so, like, I'm, I'm curious from your perspective. Oh, and and one one element that I, I find particularly interesting, I've been listening to it over headphones in my house because mm. it's not appropriate for my children. <laughs> and the street noise, like just the right. the the ambiance of sound around everything, is exceptional, yeah. and it it really does just help set the scene in almost every single moment. Right, I hadn't noticed that. Funny enough, my um my brother's quite a film film buff actually and he's he's been complaining about recent modern films i think he complained about the irishman for, for this exact reason the fact that it sounded it didn't have any kind of background if you look at scorsese's kind of like canon if you go back to mean streets where they're like kind of like just 
bowling around on the streets there's a, and it's obviously quite cheaply made uh, there's you know a lot of street noise a lot of kind of atmosphere and if you look at the Irishman there's none of it it's almost it's almost could be set on a soundstage kind of thing so it's interesting that that's something you've picked up about uh, The Wire that it's got this kind of like uh, you know kind of broad atmosphere that pervades I think the fact that it's just so obviously chaotic and like you know everyone's everyone's jostling for kind of like political positions and trying to trying to uh, uh, hold their kind of um, strength in various pos- uh, positions of power and tra- horse trading for this that and the other it's quite it, it feels like legitimately legitimately realistic rather than just some kind of like heroic cop goes in and you know uh, save saves the day. It is just a complete mess from start to finish. It's so what it seems to be like no, nothing. Nothing quite works. Uh, you know, the, 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 they they have they've got the worst cops assigned to their detail. They're trying to make best of it. They're just kind of bumbling through mix of like you know really sharp cops that are good and know what they're doing and idiots that are just messing things up. And yeah, it feels uh, true to life. Is 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 overstating it but you know it's got that kind of that kind of subtlety that is 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 you know, i can appreciate the fact that it's like yeah let's not let's not just kind of like tell a linear story that goes from x to y it's, it's gonna have a million bumps and turns in it you can tell sure like it's a distilled piece of reality i think is is the way that like my brain looks at it you know it's, yeah it's not it's not perfect uh, reality and in fact the imperfections is what makes it feel legitimate and and there's like all these things inside of it that you you wouldn't really think about but obviously they came from uh david simon i think david simon and ed Byrne. uh one of them is a former cop and the other one was involved in sort of the baltimore uh papers before he came to this i know you've seen homicide life on the street as well right not really no. uh, see I, I thought we had talked about homicide before so homicide was uh, a show before this that i think was also a david simon show and that one was more Andre Brower chewing scenery and being really cool, but it, more of a procedural kind of cop thing. Was and it more episodic is, that one, or was it? Was yeah, it, exactly. Yeah. And this this one feels like you know there's there's a case uh, per season, and you look at all of the elements around it and all the political bullshit that's involved, and and the up down the chain from you know all the way up at the. I guess right now we're not at the mayor's office. We'll eventually get to that point, but we're certainly at a judge's office and the top of the the police force. But then all the way down to like the the little drug addicts on the street, <clears throat> and and the kids that are that are selling to them. Uh, so, have, do you have a favorite character yet, or anybody that's like really sort of struck you as this is kind of cool? Mm, probably not. But I mean, McNulty's just interesting because you just know he's just going to cause a havoc wherever he goes. He's just going to. You know, just be a pain in the ass to pretty much everyone. Like on some of us sides. might identify in a, good, in a good way sometimes, and in a not good way other times, because he's just a mess. But you know, it's, it's, he's 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 the kind of center point of the of the of the world in you know, episodes one to four, I think. Well, I, yeah, some of us might identify pretty clearly with Jimmy in different ways. Uh, I, I think uh, so. We watched the first four episodes. The first one is, is very much scene setting, uh, and it's about you know, the Barksdale clan and the fact that almost nobody knows about them because they're quite professionally run. And then you know the second episode is putting together a team, but as James mentioned, it's this mismatched team. Much like you know any sort of larger bureaucratic organization, like you will end up with stronger and weaker players. And if you ever sort of live through life and wonder like why things are so dumb. You know, you start to get an, an inside look at, well, if, if this is what is put together 
to to prosecute cases or to create cases on, at the police level and you figure that this goes through every company in the world maybe that's the truth the third one is them trying to to you know get information and, and build a case and they're doing the drug buys and stuff like that so episode three uh, we start to get a little more, quite a bit of bubs in episodes uh, two and three and bubbles is a character that that will continue on through this uh, through much of the show and I really like bubbles the actor that, that plays him is is fantastic um, and then like the case four or sorry episode four like we get some Omar in it and and Omar is is another one of those exceptional characters a gay hitman that you know robs from drug dealers uh, and then Lester Freeman comes alive and Lester's- yeah Lester I mean I, I, <laughs> just doesn't say anything for two episodes which is it, it's funny because it's that's such a that's such a kind of trope you know check out the guy that hasn't said anything because when he does say something it's going to be really good and it was really worth listening to and they that, that's that's a trope but they kind of work it really nicely because he doesn't say anything for two episodes and then he's just like oh by the way I've got all this evidence is really useful to you so like, right, who the hell are you then? <laughs> he gets out there, sort of stretches his legs, does does as they call some real police work. <laughs> yeah, no, that's funny. I, I had read a little bit, not much around it. I, I'm quite aware that Omar becomes quite a, a a large character in this, but we have we've seen very little of him so far. He's 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 knocked over a you know a drug den and and caressed his boyfriend, and that's about it so far. But yeah, I mean, yeah. It, you're right about Lester. He's, he's been, he's been quite entertaining. Just, just as someone to root for. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's like four hours of TV, and there are so many little moments inside of it that like make you happy as well. I and some of the the scenes are very much them goofing around and experimenting, like the. Uh, you told me I'm not allowed to curse here, James. <laughs> I know it's, it's just gone wrong, and you already have. But like, yeah, the 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 scene that is literally just f bombs, <laughs> mf bombs. Well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you knew what I was I know exactly about. what you're on about, which is apparently quite a famous scene and was quite fun. I mean, and that's that's good because it isn't exactly played for laughs, but but it was good to good to see that they just put a, one scene in there that was just like actually this is just good fun. And uh, you know we're just going to solve, solve solve a little bit of yeah. Uh, bit or, of crime. or the part about so the part about Bodhi getting detained after hitting a police officer who then like is happy to delighted that he's old enough and he's a drunk and he gets to take his medical uh, and then Bodhi's like detained at some some boys' home and he just like pretends like he's a janitor and walks out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, just daft, just crazy stuff. But yeah, okay. I, do, I haven't really got much to add, and you know, we don't want to labour this point too much because we'll probably be coming back to it. I think I might put, I might, if you're gonna, people are gonna be like, what's going on here? I might put like a little proviso at the start of our episode to say like we're not actually gonna talk about any football in here because uh, you know maybe maybe some of our listeners will happily just listen to us ramble on about things. Uh, other people might just be a bit more football centric or might just want to escape the the weirdness i don't know so well so my plan for this is that we'll continue on and we'll start to do a little more research i intentionally did not want to add too much research because i know you've got so much of the wire to come uh i've i've been (laughs) listening to like other podcasts and and stories behind the scenes and there's actually a a book uh out there of like the oral history that i think you know maybe we'll we'll get to at some point ted you're taking Uh, this seriously (laughs) I, i love the show i this is i think this is my fourth watch but it's my first one in about six years, so I think the last time I did it was probably 2013. Really? Yeah, I mean, uh, there aren't many programs that I've watched more than once. It's just, you know, hard-pressed to get me to watch something once, let alone more than once. But yeah, you know, occasionally something's that good. And it's like, yeah, fair Yeah, right. I, so I can tell you, having not watched this in quite a while, like, I come back and I'm delighted by a lot of the little bits that I haven't seen in some time. 
and and the, you know I'm, again we'll, we'll start to do this a little more seriously as we go on uh, maybe a bit more notes um but we're also gonna you know as long as this the the football stop lasts uh we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll work in some bad movies uh, i've been looking up some bad movies that that we can choose that uh james will then be able to rant on so if, you, if you're only here for james ranting we'll activate that occasionally as well I, did, I will warn you. I, I'm, I just want to watch The Wire now. Like, I'm going to watch more than four episodes this week. I've not watched any no, episodes you, for two days. You can't days. watch more than four. You can't I'm cheat gonna. on me like that, James. I'm going to. I'm, I'm, I'm literally going to. You can't do it. Can't do it. I'm literally going to. Have some what discipline. What else am I supposed to do for crying, for crying out loud, man? Throw me a bone. <laughs> Nothing to do here. All right. So what we might have to do is you can watch another four. We'll record another podcast. Uh, and it's going to be in sort of four four episode increments. So follow along with us. Uh, we'll get a little more serious about tucking into it. Maybe James will start to to break out his uh, his sort of film legs as as you've seen, because occasionally he will have a critical analysis of a film that he decided to write about. Uh, we're also going to you know keep trying to do stuff on the site. Uh, so I am going to talk a little bit about some stats bomb stuff before we wrap this up. Uh, so we are collecting. Uh, some historic games. We've already got plenty of historic games as well. And we're going to shift uh, at least some of our production into that. Like we'd done it before. We did it with the United Treble stuff that James wrote up that's great uh, for the independent. Um, and <clears throat> so we're going to kind of take the the content drought and, and use some of the time there. Also in a week, uh, we're going to record a lot of our introduction to football course. And we're going to make that available online via the internet, which will be the first time we've done this. Um, you know, we're not going to do gatherings. We think it's irresponsible to do so. So we're going to we're going to make that available um, on the internets uh, for a, a much smaller fee than we would charge in person because there's no room venue or anything like that. And so for those of you who have many, many hours to kill, uh, that'll be the first time that we do that on a, on a wide basis. Um, beyond that, I'm not sure about courses that we're going to do in the near or medium term. Um, you know, we'll wait till we get to the other side of this. Maybe start, we'll do yeah, some more stuff online. The important today, like starts bomb, starts bomb rolls on. You know, we've we've, we've got plenty to do. Um, there's and the, you know, people who listen to the podcast, who read the site. You know, we we want to be want to continue. We want to be here for you during these kind of dull days, and you know, give you content and things things to be interested about. And I, funny enough, I feel like. Uh, summer's often a time where you get a chance to kind of take stock and like think about like ideas about how to analyse football and it feels like we've kind of got an enforced summer in that regard so you know like poking at the day is always always an interesting thing and then use this time yeah, hey you know, potential analysts use this time get the stats bomb R downloaded get the free data start messing around with it you know it's a great chance to do that while you haven't while you're not watching 38 hours of football per week I did write a piece yesterday about how you know we could really use having football back and how I think professional sports in particular is probably more capable of building sort of isolated units and, and being able to play, play games behind closed doors, which would then create entertainment and be able to help fill people's lives right now. Uh, I'm not sure if that's going to happen, but it's you know, most people don't know about how footballers live their lives. Like, but the reality is like they already are exceptionally isolated. And actually people who work at clubs, uh, at least on the, the football team side, are often isolated too because they're looking at 50, 60 hour weeks. It's a little bit like all the all the cops that go through divorces, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. 
Steve, <laughs> I think Steve Allardy, who's a guy, I think he's an NBA uh, related guy. I think he invented RPM. He had a thread out yesterday, and he was he was kind of about, like basically similar for NBA. He was like, right, playoffs, like the top sixteen teams, isolate everyone, uh, go to, and he was like, go to like I don't know Hawaii or something. Right, <laughs> some I like a holiday island type setup. You just need you just need one like one stadium, <laughs> isolate everyone, and then like run kind of like an accelerated playoffs or something. And th- there were logistical issues like do you take families or not, and you know how long do you quarantine before you get things. But it was it was quite a fun idea, and like you know this this is quite related to the to, to the football idea of uh, like how could you how could you do these things and again it's not the most important thing right now but at some point people are going to want to think about like solutions and like well, football's you know, an entire industry how can and we get you don't through want, things you don't want everybody in that industry to to be out of work and and so finding some way to get some proportion of them back to work yeah, is, and, uh, is yeah, significant. And, and all industries will be kind of like, especially ones that have been hit hard, will be thinking along those terms. Again, like Neil Charles, who's who, uh, you know, been around football analytics forever, he posted a flyer last night, like a local cocktail bar near to his area had uh, advertised like cocktail deliveries. And it's like, yeah, people are like thinking on the hoof, trying to innovate. Like, what can we do to like try and do something to kind of keep keep going? And okay, it's tough, and mo- many of these ideas won't work. But you know, people are people are looking to be creative. And again, like you know, we're only in kind of like week one, week two. Uh, you know, if we if we get to week twelve, week sixteen, then yeah, pe- people will have had a lot of time to kind of think and plan and scope and what can we do and where are we at and how can we get through this and at some point you know there will be a, a case to kind of like reinstall a version of reality um yeah, yeah exactly like, you need it, to be ahead of that we need to everyone needs to be ahead of that and, and that like as i say you know you've, you've hit on the football side of things which is obviously you know our interest and you know where we where we where we're involved but it it, it pans out to any any aspect of of society you know we've got to think ahead and we've got to be smart and we've got to make the right decisions well, and people are like, well, it's not the time for this. I'm like, okay, sure. But if you're looking at potentially 12 to 18 months of disruption while you're waiting for a vaccine to come around, and we've seen, you know, some possibly positive stories about early developments of vaccines that already exist, but, you know, you've got the trials and everything like that. Like, you do 12 to 18 months is too long for everything. Like, people, it, that's a crazy amount of time. You know, three months, four months, like, might be able to withstand that. Uh, but some, as you say, some element of normalcy would be and and you know, maybe sanitized life is is very welcome and will be welcomed by everybody yeah sure all right stay all right, cool. safe everybody uh do Please stay do. in like to do isolate as best you can don't be one of those idiots that's like i'm all right and i'm down the pub don't bother with that that's not a good idea <laughs> not now yeah and we'll keep coming back to you with uh entertainment takes in the meantime and updates as the stuff that we find interesting in football and soon ish We will also talk to you a little bit about the online course we're going to do. Thanks a lot, everybody. Bye. Bye.